Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And welcome to the Molly New View podcast with me, Jackie Oatley. New year, new man. No, it's Tim Spears again. You'll do for us again in 2021. How are you, Bab? Thanks a lot. Uh, Yeah, I'm good. You all right? Yeah, I'm all right, thanks. You can sign up to The Athletic for £3.99 a month for the first six months and you can enjoy unrivaled coverage of Wolves in 2021. See, I'm being nice about you there, Tim. As well as ad-free podcasts via the app. So go to theathletic.co.uk forward slash Wolves pod. So, well, what has happened since we last convened after the Burnley defeat? Wolves have picked up two points from a possible nine. They took a deserved late point against Spurs. They were decent but denied late on at Old Trafford. And it was an infuriating game of two halves at Brighton. It all leaves Wolves 13th in the Premier League with 22 points from 17 games, with two points and six goals fewer than at this stage last season. We'll discuss all the very many talking points that Wolves fans are debating right now with the man with the contacts, with the insight, with the wisdom. It is the Sheriff of Stafford himself, Tim Spears. Are you all right? Have you had a good Christmas and New Year? Happy New Year. No, it was abysmal. Awful. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was terrible, but who cares? It's a new year. Keanu Hoover and Fabio Silva, they're the future. Come on. <laughs> so it's not been great, but did you get a decent present at least? Anything to you know, shout about? The theme this year, normally there's a theme. Uh, it's normally Beatles merchandise because my parents know I'm obsessed with the Beatles, so they've bought me Beatles gifts every year for, for eight, 18 years. But I, well, what I was, and then it's sort of a recurring present every year now because that's, you know, I want to like it. It's an easy mm. gift. Anyway, this year it was wine. Lots of wine-based oh. gifts. Uh, a, a visit to a vineyard, um, some very nice wine, a special bottle opener. Um, I don't know what people are trying to tell me, um, but annoyingly, I'm doing dry January, so it's it's all useless anyway. So am I, Bab. Well, Cheers. we might as well. Eh? I've got my squash here. Here we go. Yeah, how about yourself? Did you have a good birthday? I did, thank you. I'm still looking for that present that you've left. The deliv- deliveries take quite a while these days, but really, there's a backlog over Christmas, I think. Oh, oh, I've got that to look forward to then. Oh, thanks, mate. No, I had a good birthday, thank you. My little girl had to self-isolate, so we couldn't even leave the house over Christmas because of one of the classmates testing positive but that's life and um so it just makes you value going out for a walk doesn't it it's mad how life has changed so much but and i got some pajamas which made me very happy and i'm quite a simple soul spiders that's it all i need pajamas and the option to leave the house and i'm anybody's right let's crack on because quite a lot of wolves fans are worried i think it's fair to say tim quite a few are questioning nuno's decision making many are telling others to chill out and relax for goodness sake i mean how would you reflect on those christmas and new year's games Uh, performance wise not not too bad really. Um, um, in fact, pretty good on the whole. If if you if you go back to October when we were doing this podcast every week, just saying how boring it was and how Wolves weren't playing well. Remember those? Even when they beat Fulham uh, or beat Leeds one nil, we were Leicester away was abysmal, and we were kind of moaning about how they got this boring tag. I think they've sort of shaken that off recently, and in fact, since they've changed formation and started moving the system around a bit, it's actually become a bit more entertaining. And they played well against Spurs. I thought they probably did enough to win it on the balance of play. And if Fabio Silva drops that header in, then then they do win it. I thought they were, you said decent against United. I thought they were brilliant for 60 minutes. And then a defensive display of old, really. Back to the Wolves that we know in terms of three at the back. The kids coming in were great. Hoover, so impressed with him. Eight Nori, who seems to have one good game, one bad game at the moment. I thought he was great. Uh, Bettina, nice debut. Sort of fearing the worst a little bit when I saw that team lineup. But um, as at Anfield last year, when he made a few changes there, owing to the schedule, they did themselves proud, uh, but ultimately lost one nil. So yeah, and then Brighton, what a funny old game. I mean, I could get used to three three thrillers this year. We don't have too many of those, but it wasn't exactly like it was a three one half time performance. 
you know, it didn't feel like they'd played sort of well enough or attacking free-flowing football enough to be 3-1 up. And you sort of, you knew Brighton would come back at them, but it was it was a bit of a capitulation, really. And um, if anyone was going to win that game late on, it should have been Brighton, you know, despite Otisawi's late chance. So that was unlike Wolves. They don't really blow leads, but that Daft Matinho penalty just changed absolutely everything. But do you know what? There were some positives. You in particular... In fact, I want to know how you are because you ask, you demand first half goals and you got three. <laughs> you've been screaming for penalties for months and you got one and you've been asking for Ruben Nevis to score for ages. Yes. I mean, how, how, have you recovered? Were you okay? Did you require medical assistance at half time? No, I'm actually all right. Thank you very much. I'm actually doing okay. I thought, I thought of you. I was lucky enough to be at the stadium. I kept thinking, oh, Jackie must be so happy. <laughs> yeah, well... Fabio Silva winning a penalty at Burnley was a positive. I know, well, the rest of it wasn't, but that was something. And then Adama Traore bursting into the box and forcing himself to be fouled. That's surely what Wolves... I mean, this is what I know I bang on about it every week and I'm so boring. But when you see the number of penalties that Leicester get, the number of penalties that Man United get... If you haven't seen, um, it's not something I normally advocate, but Richard Key's Twitter feed, he did this um, thing on BN Sports with Andy Gray. I sent it to you to know how many penalties was it? Something like 50 penalties in the last season and a half. Something insane. Um, and of course, they win them, most of them. They get very lucky with some of the others. But you have to be more dynamic in the box to win penalties. You don't actually have to be any good at scoring goals to win penalties. You don't have to be that creative to win penalties. But you do have to be in the box and you do have to be tricky. And that's something Wolves haven't been enough. So you're right. I was extremely happy with that. Something really positive. And yes, OK, so it was only from the penalty spot that never scored. But since we last spoke, he has been having a few more shots from long range. And I noticed after, oh, I think it was the last game, he did an interview with the club website and said, well, it's not really my remit to score goals. So I don't know why people are asking me to score goals. But it's not just on him, is it? The point we've been making is the fact that, well, somebody has to, if the strikers aren't going to... It can't just be Pedro Neto and very occasionally Pedence. And if Adama's not scored for over a year now in the Premier League, somebody has to. So when you've got somebody with that talent, yes, you have to find ways of getting shots on target. I mean, it's not rocket science, is it? No, and they're still not scoring enough goals. And I mentioned that run of sort of entertaining football since they changed formation, which is nine games. They've still only scored 11 in those nine. And obviously, I know they miss Jimenez, but still the goals aren't coming. And it's a good point you make about Trio, right? The amount of times what, 99% of the times that he gets the ball, he'll he'll go wide and look to put a cross in and he'll get to the byline. If he can cut inside a bit more, I mean, we know he's unstoppable when he's in the mood. And Dan Byrne, I mean, it was a hilarious mismatch. Dan Byrne did quite well against Troy last year, but yeah, it was it was a one-sided contest. And um, his first assists, Jackie Oatley, his first assist in about 23 hours of playing football for Wolverhampton Wanderers, Adama Traore, I mean, because te- technically winning a penalty goes down as an assist. And he should have had another assist in the last minute. And if Owen Otisawi had scored that, I'm not sure how you can explain that, really. How do you explain, if that goes in, how do you explain football? Wolves are under the cosh. They were getting pelters on Twitter for this capitulation. Then for sending on Otisawi for silver, people were livid. Livid, what, what, sorry, the fact that he come on instead of what? Or the fact there was nobody up front to be able to come on. They couldn't bring on Corbiani because he'd never kicked a ball. I think general frustration and the fact that, yeah, the only attack, that was the only attacking change available, basically. But my goodness me, I mean, I'll say I love the run into the box and we don't get a huge amount of that from midfielders as, as as we discuss a lot a great run into the box but my god he's got to score that he just mistimed his jump didn't he I think we have to say the trial yes he does need to do more end product absolutely of course but when you think of the the cross against or at Arsenal came back off the post from um, Dendonka's header and, and Neto put it away it doesn't technically go down as an assist but Dendonka should have scored that and it would have been and and there are other times when you know like the Otisawi one for goodness sake that, that would have been a brilliant assist doesn't go down in the stats book so it is all-round contribution but yeah I mean it's so obvious surely it's so obvious that he has to be way more direct because he scares the life out of players he doesn't scare the life out of them when he's heading for the corner flag he doesn't he's not going to win penalties there and dangerous free kicks he might float in a decent cross for nobody to get on the end of but come on if you're a defender you don't want him running at you at pace in dangerous areas, right? No, God no. And if Adama Troyer is on the bench, then then the opposition dressing room is celebrating before kickoff, and the left back is breathing a sigh of relief because whoever he is does not oh, yeah. want to play against Adama Troyer. You know, Matt Target, he must he must still wake up having nightmares about some of you know last season getting ripped to shreds, and there's a whole host of them. 
And you're right about the assists. Assists are not the be-all and end-all. It's chance creation is, is a far more important stat, of which he's doing okay this season. He's not too far behind last season. But it was just interesting to note, yeah, 24 hours without an assist is a long time for someone who got nine assists last season. And I think he misses Matt Doherty behind him and I think he misses Raul Jimenez to the left of him. Don't you think he was a lot better, though, at Brighton? A lot more effective? He was an awful lot better. I mean, yeah, an awful lot better. We, we want to see more of that. And um, just to go back to Otisawi, I felt so sorry for him at full time. I mean, obviously, he should have scored. But he, he sat in the net. People probably wouldn't have seen it on telly if TV showed it. He sat in the net for a good few minutes absolutely disconsolate and distraught. None of his teammates went over to him. I assume they didn't notice him. I think if Connor Cody had spotted that or Jaramatino had spotted that, they would have gone over to pick him up. Um, because, yeah, he got a very lonely figure, just sat, literally sat in the net. And eventually one of the one of the backroom staff went over and, and took him off the pitch. But, yeah, I felt a bit sorry for him. He'll be fine. He'll get over it. He's, not, he's another one who's not in the team to score goals. But I do like the fact that he's getting minutes. And I hope that the next time we see him is the position we saw him in against Chelsea because that's when he actually made a really good impact. False nine, you know, that's not him. Don't judge him on that. And I hope the next time we do see him, it's, it's in central midfield. Oh, there's so much else to talk about. And we've had so many tweets. I mean, I think one of the key issues that's going on at the moment is the makeup of the squad, the size of the squad and the fact that Nuno or the club or whoever didn't take into consideration the very realistic prospect that a Raul Jimenez could have been injured early on as he was and the fact that there could be a handful of injuries which they haven't previously had and so if you look at the bench five teenagers on the bench against Spurs plus Silva starting who's 18 of course six teenagers on the bench at Man United plus eight Nori and Hoover who started seven teenagers on the bench at Brighton with eight Nori and Fabio Silva starting and of those seven teenagers I mean there's barely a first team appearance amongst them so it's not as though their team who regularly come on and already semi-established. A lot of them haven't breathed near the first team on a match day before. So, I mean, what is your assessment? Because there are a lot of supporters who are absolutely fuming about this and they are really fuming about the lack of investment in terms of first team ready players for this season so that Wolves can kick on. You, I mean, you're absolutely right about the bench. I mean, I remember seeing a couple of benches about a year ago when they had sort of Benny Ashley Seal and Ryan Giles and the benches looked really weak. And it looked like that had been addressed in the summer. And I remember writing an article to that extent saying they haven't really improved the first team in the summer, but they have improved the squad. And now they've got this horrible injury crisis in Wolves terms of, of six players out, which is, you know, teams have, teams have far worse. I think, well, Sheffield United have got nine or ten players out at the moment. But in Wolves terms, they're not used to it. And that's always the problem with having a small squad. It's always the risk. And I've spoken about it for years how risky it is and how you know if Matt Doherty had got injured or if Conor Cody got injured or if Raul Jimenez got injured what would they do and now we're starting to see some of those questions being posed the small squad only works if you've got a really good injury record the two have got to go hand in hand they have gone hand in hand for three years this year they haven't reasons behind that are Sort of hard to put your finger on. I mean, I put to Nuno a couple of weeks ago, you know, was it the fact that you didn't get a break in the summer? The fact that there's all this disruption and, you know, long season, last season? He said no, really. He didn't really use that opportunity to use that as an excuse. And again, after Brighton, the subject came up and, or he brought it up himself maybe, and said, look, this is the way we're going to work. This is the way we work. This is our philosophy. This is about having trust in the young players that we believe in. This is their chance now, he said. And we will not change. This is our philosophy. So the reasons behind it, as I've stated many times, and I'm sure people have heard many times, is that they don't like senior players who aren't going to play in a fully fit squad sat on the bench. They believe it creates disharmony. It leads to kind of bad apples in the squad and a bad atmosphere. You know, players who know they're not going to play at the weekend will not be necessarily happy or motivated and and might create a bit of, of a bad atmosphere in the squad. Okay, that's fine. I get that and it's works for Wolves and the, the team spirit and team harmony is, is, from afar has looked great over the past couple of years. But at this very moment in time, it doesn't look very smart to have such a small squad because they've got a terrible bench and 3-3 three, three at Brighton. They're looking to retake the initiative. I think they had a spell of possession about 10 minutes from the end and I thought they're, they're starting to wrestle the ball back now. Let's give it a go in the last 10 minutes and see what they've got. He turned to the bench and who have you got? Anderson, Andreas Sondergaard? Just to go up front? It's used use two keepers on the bench he had to name players on the bench who he had no intention of putting on the field 
you know, someone like Theo Corbiano or Taylor Perry, they would have come on in a normal situation given the way the game was going if he trusted them. And we had it recently. Willie Bolly and Fernando Marcel, or, or certainly Bolly, was on the bench at Burnley. And he had no intention to bring him on because he wasn't fit. So yeah, I know there's nine subs, which which makes it a little bit different. But if you if you're having to name players that you've got no intention of using, then there's a bit of a problem there. They will say, in their defence, that this is an unusual period of injuries. That they're hopeful of getting three or four of them back soon, and then things will be back to normal. But at the moment, it's costing them. It is costing them because um, in a busy festive period with not enough options from the bench, they look really short. Yeah, and in that post-match press conference after Brighton, Nuno said, we have a young, small squad because that's the way we do things. It's an educational process that we're on. Now, I just have a feeling that whilst you understand that he likes working with young players and wants to make them better, that's wonderful. You want that, right? You want a manager who's planning for the future. And you want a club with forward-thinking aspirations as well. Of course, with aspirations to reach top four and beyond. Of course, you want that. But this is why fans don't understand why they've started the season. And you've said many times on this podcast before, by design, with only Raul as a senior striker. I cannot get my head around how any Premier League club with aspirations of Europe can go into a season with one senior striker. And I do mean one. Fabio Silva only turned 18 in the summer. He'd started one league game in his entire career. He's not senior. Does he look like he's ready to play 90 minutes every week in the Premier League? No, God, no, absolutely not. I don't, I don't think he's... Does he look like he's ready for Premier League football either? I don't think he's physically ready in terms of his sort of technical ability and being up to speed. I don't think he's ready. I think... I think he would sort of admit that. You know, the one time I spoke to him after Doncaster, he kind of said, this is my year of, of growing and uh, and adapting and getting used to the league. And I think that was the deal when they brought him in, was that Jimenez, as he had done the previous two seasons, would play every game, because Jimenez had played every single game, he hadn't missed one. And that Silver would be blooded off the bench and he'd be better off with the experience. He'd gradually be blooded, a little bit like Neto was last year, although Neto ended up playing more than than then they probably thought he still only made kind of eight or nine starts. But look at Neto now, that's that's the template Wolf signing. Bring him in young, blood him in the squad, and then the second season, you know, look at him now, he's probably their best player at the moment, which is, you know, he's had a remarkable year. Is Silva going to have the same trajectory? I don't think so, um, from what we've seen of him so far. And they need a senior option as soon as possible this month because the games are still coming thick and fast. And I think the longer you play Silva, the more you damage risking his confidence, really. And we know how important that is for for such a young man in his development. I mean, I mentioned that he'd only started one league game of his whole career. They signed Luke Matheson from Rochdale and he'd already played 23 league games in his career before coming. And he wasn't deemed anywhere near ready for the first team squad. So what's the difference? Why was Fabio Silva brought in with a view to being back up to Raul, which he must have been because there isn't another one and put straight on the bench with a view to him being the main man if Raul got injured in the first minute of the opening game of the season him being that until January has anybody asked Nuno directly was this a mistake or what was the thinking like really specifically and directly on this point I mean he he defends Fabio Silva week after week post-match and 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 says he's a huge part of our future and, and what we're thinking of doing and this is not criticism of him by the way at all by any stretch in terms of what he could be but in terms of the thinking this is what's getting fans aerated at the moment no, you're right but th- that 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 level of experience is is replicated around the squad I mean Otisawi's played six games in his whole career um Hoover's six or seven games in his whole career. Ain't Nori's between 20 and 30 games in his whole career. Vitinha, you know, I haven't seen his numbers, but I'm sure they'll be similar. So this is reflected all over the squad. And I said this in the summer, you know, we won't know, we won't know how successful last summer's transfer window was for some time. And we still don't know how successful it was in terms of the players they brought in and how good they will be for Wolves because it, it was a window that looked to the future. But in my opinion, took its eye off the present. And I, th- I think we're seeing that a bit now in that they're unlikely to progress up the table and earn more points than they did last season. Mm. Vitinha, who's 20 now, he hadn't started a senior league game for Porto in the top flight. He'd only played for Porto B with 15 appearances in total for them in the second division. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. I guess this neatly brings us on to January rather than just dwelling on the situation at the moment. I mean, oh my goodness, how many tweets have we had, Tim, today? asking you what on earth is going on in January. I mean, loads and loads and loads. I could read them all out, but basically just tell us what do you expect to happen this month in terms of transfers? Well, I think just to go back to Silver to tie in this story, one thing they have done is is watch Silver closely and they've uh, he's obviously had a chance to see what he can do for the last six, seven, seven games, I think, since him and his got injured. And they were keen to see if what he had to offer for the here and now before they kind of made their decision as to what kind of striker they brought in. What I will say with Silver is, I mean, it's it's one decent game, one bad game at the moment. He's probably done better than I thought he would, actually. He was good against Villa. He came on and made an impact against Burnley, scored his goal. He did well against Chelsea. But against against Brighton, he was absolutely anonymous. I was looking at the stats earlier. He, he played 19 passes all game, of which 10 found their man. Um, he didn't hold the ball up, no threat in front of goal. But as you said earlier, we can't criticise him too much because he's an 18-year-old kid who's been thrown at the deep end in the best league in the world certainly the most intense physical top-end league in the world and and he doesn't look physically ready so to that end I think they're fully well aware of the need to bring in a preferably a senior goal-scoring striker in January the fact that they are working so hard on it suggests to me that we shouldn't expect to see Raul Jimenez anytime soon and you know I do get asked this quite a lot when will Jimenez return because it hasn't been explicitly discussed by anyone at Wolves in terms of a timescale. But from what I'm told, without putting a timescale on it because I haven't been given one, but from the way that they're acting, I wouldn't expect him to be back this season. I think that would no, be unlikely. I don't think anyone's expecting that. You know, anyone who saw the images of um, a video of him recently and he showed his scar to the ca- to the camera, I mean, you know. I think pe- people have seen that he's gone to the training ground and he's started going to matches and maybe maybe thought he might be back sooner than expected, but he will not be rushed. I mean, goodness me. So I don't expect to see him back this season. So as discussed, it's a strange one in January because you sign in a striker with the knowledge that Raul Jimenez will return and will be Wolves' first choice striker again in the hopefully sort of medium future next season. But can I just also make the point that there's no guarantee, surely, that he'll be back to the Raul we know fully firing from the first day of next season, is there? So this isn't merely a January stopgap that we're talking about, potentially, is it? Obviously, they know a lot more medically, but they have to have in the back of the minds that they need somebody either now for the long term as well or in the summer going forwards. So they have no, the option right. of yeah. either short-term stopgap, but certainly with a view to next season, they'll need more cover. You're right, but it is, it is yeah, you're right. It is predominantly for, the, for this season. But yeah, there's a, and they're not ruling out bringing someone on a permanent deal or bringing in someone on loan with an option to purchase in the summer. And you're right about Jimenez. You know, we shouldn't expect him whenever he comes back to come back firing in all cylinders. And we had Don Goodman on the pod a few weeks ago who suffered a fractured skull whilst playing for Wolves himself and told us about how difficult it was to come back into training. And, you know, you can imagine that first time you kind of had head-to-head contact with somebody else or with the ball or whatever. It's just a horrible thing to think about. So, yeah, there's there's that to think about with Jimenez's recovery as well. So, as far as bringing in someone in January goes, yeah, they've had you know a long list of players that they've looked at. I think that's been whittled down to a few key targets. And they tend not to look at these things in terms of acting too much in advance. I think they've looked at it right at the end of December. And it'll very much be Nuno's call as to the one that they really go for, one that they bring in. I mean, some names that I've sort of had confirmed that they've looked at, uh, Divock Origi, I think we spoke about on the last on the last podcast maybe, uh, from Liverpool, who uh, not playing for Liverpool at the moment. Wolves have looked at him and bid for him before. He has been uh, dropped from the Belgium squad and he's very keen to get back in ahead of the Euros this summer, so he wants to play. And Liverpool are happy to sell. 
but they're in sort of lies your dilemma. You know, do you go out and spend 25 million on Divock Origi after the money they've spent in the summer? I don't think there's a huge amount available this month for a permanent deal. From what I'm told, we should not, should not be expecting a big money deal this month. But he might be one. He looks ideally suited to me. I don't think there's anything active with him at the moment from a Wolves' point of view, but he looks ideal to me as someone to bring in, even on a loan for the rest of the season. And even if that's a loan fee of three, four, five million pounds for the rest of the season, if he scores the goals that put you up a few places in the league table, that's that's his money back in prize money alone because it's what three million per place in the Premier League. So he's one. Um, Jovic from Real Madrid is another one that I think they put a speculative loan bid in for. He'd scored so many goals for Eintracht Frankfurt, some people will remember, a couple of seasons ago. Big money move to Real Madrid of about £50 million. It's not worked out. But from Real Madrid's point of view, I think if he's going to go, they would be keen to sell rather than just loan because he's on their bench at the moment. So why would they just hand him to someone else for a few months? And another one who's been doing the rounds for quite a few clubs is Josh King at Bournemouth, who... Has had great success in the Premier League before, scored a fair amount of goals and isn't playing for Bournemouth at the moment because he's out He's out contract in the summer as well. But that's a bit of an issue in that if Bournemouth are going to move him on now, they're not going to loan him because he's out contract in the summer. Why would they do that? They're going for a promotion. So it would only be a sale. And from what I'm told, they'd probably be looking for around £10 million for a player who's out contract in the summer. As is their right, you know, they're not going to sell him on the cheap. So I think that would be a bit of a sticking point for Wolves at this moment in time. But he's certainly a player that, that interests them. But they're looking at many others as well. These are just, this is just a, a small handful of names. And they are keen, I must stress. I know I do get asked this a lot. They do want to get it done straight away. They would have signed a striker already if they could. But it's not up to them at the end of the day. It's up to the selling club to sell the player. It sounds very basic, but it should be reiterated. The selling club sells the player. They only sell the player when they've got a replacement lined up. And who's going to just sell a player without having a replacement lined up at this time, uh, right in the middle of the season, crucial stage of the season? Goal-scoring strikers do not grow on trees. I know I sound like I'm making excuses here, but this is just the processes that Wolves go through every year in January, and it won't be easy. But they are confident of bringing someone in. You're not making excuses at all. You're painting a picture of the reality, which is very different for a club and a recruitment team uh, and a chief exec, etc., or chairman that has to make these decisions along with a coach, as opposed to people from the outside who look in and go, well, just get him, just go and get him, just go and get him. Why would you not get him? It's so much harder, isn't it, uh, than it seems. But I mean, Diva Karigi would be fantastic, wouldn't he? I mean, he's 25 years of age. He'll be 26 in April, so a really good age. He's so used to the Premier League. He seems to have a really good attitude from everything that I've heard and you see interviews with him and he's used to being on the bench as well as making an impact when he comes on. Uh, he scored 19 Premier League goals for Liverpool and, and several more in, in the Cups as well. It would seem to be... And the Champions League final, for goodness sake. Absolutely, I mean, yeah. absolutely. I think he'd be a brilliant, brilliant addition. I mean, he's not Portuguese, but you know, it's all right. Well, do you know, I, th- I think he would. I don't want to labour the point too much. But, um, but yeah, he's 25. He's got motivation. He wants to get in the Belgium squad. He wants to get his career back on track. Jurgen Klopp, obviously, you know, who's a very astute uh, judge of a player, as likes him and hasn't wanted to let him go in the past couple of years. But now it seems like the time is right for him to move on. So I think, and of course, he can play along the forward line as well. He's not just a striker. So I think he'd be a great addition. At the moment, I don't think there's anything live with that one, but I certainly wouldn't be unhappy if he was brought in. Yeah, I mean, if there was the funds available, it would make sense. And it's not just a case of a stopgap for Raul. You can't just keep going every season just with Raul as your striker. It just doesn't make any sense. I mean, but to have someone like him... He's coming up to 30 anyway, so... Exactly, but to have somebody like him, he would still play loads. He'd still come on, I think, most games and start some games. It's not as if he would literally sit on the bench every week, as I think gets painted as a picture if you've got Raul up front. I mean, also, we've talked before about the fact that players need to be pushed. They need to be pushed to make sure they get their place and and make sure they're starting every week. And whilst Raul has a perfectly good attitude, it won't do him any harm to have a bit of competition for places, will it? So uh... While we're talking about January strikers, there's only one that's on the lips of many supporters, uh, which is Diego Costa, So, who was released or has left Atletico Madrid (laughs) few days ago um, it's an obvious link to make he's he's a George Mendes boy the Costa of three years ago would be perfect um, in terms of his performances on the pitch for Wolves I mean he can he can hold he can link play he's strong as an ox and he can score goals however the Diego Costa that we remember from last seeing him in the Premier League is no more to be honest and he's struggled for goals at Atletico Madrid 
He struggled with injuries at Atletico Madrid. He was being paid, uh, according to reports, £270,000 a week by Atletico Madrid. So, I mean, instantly, if he was on anywhere near that, he'd be Wolves' top earner. The injury record is definitely an issue for me. Can he still do it in the Premier League is an issue for me. And would he disrupt squad harmony is an issue for me. You know, we know of the the character, if you want to say that, that he is. I don't think he fits into the Wolves' mould in any way except for those top-line performances in his peak on the pitch. But to ask him to come in now and score 10 goals for the end of the season is not feasible for me. So as far as I'm aware, they haven't even looked at him or he's certainly not on their list. Um, I think that would only change if they were really desperate and he was still available to towards the end of the month and was willing to take a massive pay cut. Oh, I don't see any of those things happening. And as you mentioned there, Nuno's so big on squad harmony and not having big name characters that perhaps might not have the right attitude. I'm not saying he is one, but the theory is that Nuno would be super careful about disrupting the uh, stability of the squad. And somebody, forgive me, I haven't got it to hand, somebody pointed out they didn't want another Roger Johnson, Jamie O'Hara type situation which came in and um, really disrupted the dressing room a few years back. Absolutely right. We know how important squad harmony's been for Wolves and Diego Costa I don't, I don't you know I don't know the guy Jackie I've never met him mm. we've never spent any any time together but I I assume <laughs> that um I assume that he wouldn't quite fit in I think he's ever been to Stafford <laughs> uh I'll invite him if he does sign I'll invite him but I I, I just don't envisage a situation where on January 31st Diego Costa's going uh, house hunting in Codsall I, I just I, I don't see it happening As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Now, there have been a couple of these type tweets, Tim. I wonder what you have to say about this. Baines says, Do journalists actually know what Wolves are planning these days or more of a guessing game? Borley, do you still have a direct relationship with Wolves to be able to give you and your publication reliable information on our club? Ouch! What do you say, Tim? Uh, no, stop listening to this podcast. I don't, I don't, know, <laughs> don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it won't answer that question. Uh, my sort of links with the club have never been anything but solid, really, over five and a half years of, of reporting with the club. They're not going to tell me if uh, they're signing a player uh, next week or you know who their top transfer targets are or if if they do then it's you know sort of information you keep to yourself if if that's the way it comes across as confidential because they don't want to tell me stuff that's going to scupper you know transfer deals why would they deliberately put out a player that they're interested in because then it alerts other clubs to their to their interest so but no god no um i've had plenty of um uh disagreements and and spats and arguments with wolves over the years but the dialogues never stopped and, and never been anything but overall positive um i've been lucky to have sort of reasonable people in charge at the club in in steve morgan and jeff shee and reasonable managers too on the whole 99 percent of the time and i try and be um fair and balanced at every opportunity really so yeah absolutely i'm in regular contact with senior figures including over you know what they're doing in january discussing short and long-term vision for the clubs. But as I kind of alluded to, what that doesn't mean doesn't mean I can share everything I hear, you know, far from it. A lot of information you hear is sort of confidential and sources have got to be protected at all times. But it's my job to convey the club's stance on a lot of things whilst also representing the views of the fans, which is also always quite a fine balance to strike. But, 
yeah, good relationship at all levels of the club, and hopefully that comes across in the coverage on the Athletic. It certainly should do because because um, it's all in there. Yeah, I don't know how you'd write all those articles and go into the great detail that you do if you didn't actually know people at all levels at the club because um, you'd be banned, frankly, wouldn't you, if you just sat at your computer making all this stuff up? Uh, But no, I mean, I think in fairness to the people um, who were tweeting those questions, I think that's probably born of frustration during this transfer window that people just want to know more information. They want to know who are Wolves signing, when they're going to sign. They want a bit more information out of the club, but it's possibly you that gets it in the neck. I mean, a couple of tweets... From Rod Jones, why do we not get updates on injuries and timescales from the club? Also, Nick Arnold, anyone else getting frustrated with a lack of info regarding player injuries? Bolly, Dendonka, Pedence, Marcel, etc. have knocks or niggling injuries, in inverted commas, but fans are given no real explanation or expected return dates. Obviously, a tactical decision, question mark. As you mentioned, managers don't like to say, oh, yes, we'll have uh, Willy Bolly <laughs> back and he's going to play on the uh, right side of a back three on Saturday. You know, Of course managers aren't going to do that, but also you can see the frustration that it seems odd when fans have literally no idea about any of these injuries. I think you're right. Most managers will will keep it vague and most will be like, yeah, willy bolly, uh, I don't know, calf injury, um, he's going to be out for a week or two, you know, that kind of thing to keep it vague. Um, But Nuno just doesn't entertain it. I mean, I asked him after the Man United game, I said, um, are Dendonka and Bolly going to be um, available for Brighton? He literally just said, I don't know. And that was it. That was his answer. And that was the end of the press conference. So, but like I said... I, does he get asked what type of injury are they? And and is it is it a sort of one to two week or longer? Does he get sort of quizzed on those kind of things? Yeah, he does. And occasionally it's quite funny because again, he'll just say, I don't know. And um, but I, I think I think sometimes he, sometimes he genuinely doesn't know if players are going to be back. And obviously they'll have fitness tests, fitness tests the day before a game for example, and often he does his press conference before those fitness tests sort of take place. But yeah, he's not he's not forthcoming with information because he sees no advantage to it whatsoever of the opposition sort of having any inkling of what team he's going to put out in the next game. And I think when it comes to fans sort of knowing that, I don't think, he, I don't think, he, I don't think he's bothered at all. If the fans want to know, he'll say, well, this is my team. I'm paid to win football matches and I'm paid to stick a team out at the weekend. So you'll find out when, when I put the team news out. I feel like that's a cultural thing. In, in my limited experience of dealing with Wolves managers, as in what the four or five I've dealt with, it's him and Walter Zenger who've been really opposed, not just to themselves giving information out, but the club giving information out. On the opposite, someone like Kenny Jacket was the complete opposite. Kenny Jacket would invite the head of medical, Phil Hayward, into press conferences. If someone had a question about a player, you know, when's New Adico coming back? He would call Phil Hayward into the press conference so he could give a full explanation. But I think Kenny probably did that too much because uh, they had a horrendous injury list at the time, 2015-16. And if he says Dicko's back in two weeks and then he's not, then it makes it makes it look like the club and the medical department aren't doing their jobs properly, I suppose. So you can go too much in the other extreme. But yeah, certainly with Nuno, doesn't entertain it at all. But a couple of snippets. I mean, Daniel Pedence should be back for the Everton game. It's some kind of leg injury, I think maybe calf. Nuno said he'll probably miss Palace, but he should be back for Everton. Um, Bolly, Dendonka and Marcel, I don't get the impression that any of them are sort of long-term problems. And Johnny is the other one who is you know, heading towards a comeback. We know he's out running on the grass. He's out training, light training, individual training after his ACL injury in the summer. And I would expect him back uh, within the next month or two. Okay, just to put this into context, if you go to premierinjuries.com, it's a good place to go to keep an eye out for what injuries you've got and what the manager said about likely time frame for return. Now, virtually all the other Premier League table <laughs> um, injuries all say something like, let's take West Brom just for a laugh, Jake Livermore suspended, sending off red card, blah. Connor Townsend, knee injury, quote from the manager, I hope there was nothing major, thank God, but he is only going to be out between four and six weeks. Potential return, 9th of January. How Robson Carnu, arm elbow injury. December the 6th, it was said that he unfortunately got a kick on his wrist and he should be back in two weeks. Potential return, 9th of January. <laughs> Wolverhampton Wanderers. <laughs> Fernando Marcel, knock. Raul Jimenez, okay, we know the injury. No return date, fair enough. Johnny Castro-Otto, knee injury. On December the 17th, I'd love to have him back ASAP, but like we always do, we don't rush things. No return date. Leander Dendonka, other. <laughs> December the 15th. Let's see what's happening with Leander. At half time, he was not able to proceed. No return date. Willy Bolly, 
oh, injury God. other. December the 15th, then there was Bolly in the last minutes of the game. The doctor's going to analyse it. Potential return, no return date. All the other clubs have quotes, potential return dates, details of injuries, except Wolves. Yeah, no, absolutely. And do you know what? This has never been an issue for the last two seasons because they haven't had anyone out, have they? So it's, uh, yeah, but hopefully we'll get them back soon. Okay, a few tweets for you. King Mofo, we need a couple of more experienced, taller and stronger players to bolster the squad when we play the more physical teams and as cover for injuries. I hate cheating, but a lot of teams are using the dark arts to commit fouls like obstructing players and diving to get an advantage. Yeah, they've got a few tall physical players, but they rarely play together at the same time. You're looking at Bolly, Dendonka... Otisawi, Jimenez, obviously, uh, Kilman, and they rarely sort of play together, and it's costing them goals at the moment, in my opinion. I mean, I've done an article this morning on uh, their shoddy defending over the last uh, 10 games. They've kept no clean sheets in 10. In the previous 21, they kept 13 clean sheets. So we can talk about lack of goals to a blue in the face, but if you're not keeping clean sheets and you're struggling to score many at the other end, then it's just a recipe for disaster, to be honest. And that is sort of <laughs> sort of what we're seeing at the moment. And I've analysed a few of the recent goals and chances they've conceded. On the back of something Nuno said uh, post-Brighton, where he said we need to be more aggressive in our, in our defending. And if you watch some of the videos or look at some of the still images, the amount of times that Wolves players just stand there and watch as someone attacks the ball in the air, we've seen it a number of times. We saw it for Lewis Dunk's goal. We saw it for Chris Wood's goal, where Ben Mee uh, attacks mm. the ball at the far post unchecked. We saw it against Chelsea when Zuma hit the bar with a free header. Giroud sent the header over the bar. Another free header that should have been 3-0 down at that point. A number of mistakes where Wolves just aren't um, aggressively challenging the ball in the box. And they missed the willy-bolly of old in this respect. But the the, the poor defence, that's got to be sorted out. And Nuno will be will be keen to do that before anything, before even sorting out their goal-scoring problems at the other end. Because that's what their foundation of the last three years has been built on. And at the moment, that foundation just isn't there. And I guess because they don't have the same back three, back five, back four, whatever it is, um, every week it's going to be a problem. I mean, that that dunk goal against Brighton was was a, a key point, wasn't it? Adama and Neves initially were on him on the edge of the 18-yard box and then Dunk made a simple movement, got to the ball above Saiz and Aitnori, I think it was. So he's completely lost the flight of the ball and the player and um, it bashed him in the face and went in off the goalkeeper and that's it. Two points well, gone. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Nuno must absolutely despise seeing yeah. things like that. It must really hurt him to see it. Well, as good as Saez has been in the opposition box of late and he he's a, basically Wolves' his biggest goal threat at the moment, he does let a lot of balls over his head in the other end where he's sort of caught flat-footed and not, and not jumping. That has happened a few times recently. It happened against Burnley as well. So the, the concern... Well, I think this is probably born out of the system changes haven't helped... Like I said, no clean sheet in the last 10. That's when they started changing their system. And I think, as we know, Wolves' success has been bred on familiarity and repetition and the same formation week after week after week, knowing your jobs off by heart. That's now changed. And I think we've seen a, we've seen a consequence with the amount of goals they've conceded. But also individually, they miss Johnny terribly. They miss Bolly. I think Wolves are, are not that tough to play against at the moment. And you could never say that in the past. Never. But if you're attacking... Ryan ain't nori, or if you're attacking Nelson Semedo and you're getting these players on their own, then it's not that difficult to get through Wolves at the moment. That's what's concerning, and that's, like I said, that will be Nuno's first priority. I mean, we have to address this issue of some supporters starting to question Nuno. Steve Plant, well-known Wolves fan, at Wolves Match warned us. Amazing work for charity. Tactics are down to Nuno, small squad is down to Nuno, and the desire to try and defend a lead second half rather than go for the throat is down to Nuno. Injuries have played a big part, and I love the man, totally back him, but he needs to learn and fast. Even Stan Cullis got sacked. Now, he's not suggesting Nuno gets sacked, let's just be fair to Steve for starters, but he's making the point that all is not well on a tactical front with Nuno. And what do you make of what Steve had to say? Not just Steve, but a lot, a lot of fans. I, yes, he's representative of a lot of fans. I am shocked, even for Wolves fans, Jackie Oli, even for Wolves fans, I am shocked that the S word is being discussed with such free freedom by so many supporters. I find it astonishing, to be honest. Mm. And you said it right at the top of the pod. They're two points worse off than they were this time last season. If Otisau, I know it's ifs, but if Otisawi scores that header... If Marcus Rashford's shot is blocked and if Fabio Silva scores against Spurs, that's five points. 
they'd be further up the table. I think you've got to remember the table is different this year. It, it, it didn't take as many points to finish in seventh last year as it normally would do. I think given all the circumstances that we've gone on about again and again and again in the last few months of no break after a marathon season, no pre-season, now Jimenez out, injuries, trying a new formation, youngsters still finding their feet. I think he's doing a good job. I think he's doing a good job. I think other managers would have them lower down the table. He's not in any danger. Uh, I wrote this weeks ago after the Villa game. If Wolves finish mid-table this season, and that's not what they're aiming for, they want to finish higher than they did last season. But if they don't, and I, I, I've said this on the pod before, I think they'll have a better second half of season to first. I really do. I think once they get injured players back and a bit more consistency, I think they'll have, and they've got a fantastic run of fixtures to finish the season. Seven hand-picked fixtures. You could not ask for better. I think they'll finish strongly personally. But if they don't and they finish 10th, 11th, 12th, Nuno won't be sacked. That's certainly not the mindset that the club has got at the moment. They are sympathetic to the to the issues he's had to deal with this year. Um, they're not settling for mid-table, so, but I think that they'll... So when you say, sorry, the issues he's had to deal with this year, just list them quickly? As in, as in basically what I've just said in terms of um, the disruption, the lack of break after a marathon season, um, some of the injuries they've had. They had no pre-season at all. You know, he wants to change the formation to make them more attacking and more attractive to watch. He's doing that during his season. You can argue that maybe he shouldn't be, but he is, and that they're having ironing out problems with that. Um, the last summer's transfer window, which looked so much to the future instead of the present. You know, I know he makes the final calls on players, but that's not his department to go out and find them. So I think if you put all that together, to be two points off where they were this time last season is just fine for me. And like I said, other managers will be doing worse. And I am, I am surprised at... The fact it's been talked about, it's one blip, really. It's the first time I've seen so much so much negativity around Nuno. Um, it's his squad, it's his players, it's his tactics. I can't see anyone who would come in and do a better job for the rest of this season. And I think if you're looking long-term at someone who's going to coach and improve players, as he's done time and again, blooding youngsters, looking to the future, I think you'd want him in charge and that's what they're going to look to do sort of next season and really kick on next season so who better to do that if fans want a more sort of expansive manager who's going to play open football attacking football risky football then he's not the man but uh, I, I think that would be extremely risky to kind of go down that route I think um, I think they're very um, fortunate to have him at the club to be honest and I don't see him going anywhere yeah, very well said. Do you think that part of the, the frustration, the concern and some of the anger is coming out on social media? Obviously, people can't go to the games. They can't shout and scream the frustration and tell the mates on the way home what they feel about things. So it's straight to social media in the 90th minute, yeah. straight after Otisawi's missed that chance or straight after Moutinho's inexplicably put his foot out. And, you know, I hold my hands up. I screenshot these things and go, what was he thinking? You know, do you think that's part of it? And do you think also the fact that Nuno isn't much of a communicator in terms of giving detail and information because it's not his style and also the fact that the club don't really say anything I mean there's no sort of Jez Moxie doing interviews like not that he used to do it every week but there's no Laurie Dalrymple there's nobody really talking about what the club's plan is and again I come back to it but there's nobody really explaining the thinking or admitting they got it wrong about not having further backup to Raul Jimenez Possibly, although if managers try and make excuses or it sounds like they're trying to make excuses, I think that often can make things worse, particularly when fans are already kind of starting to be against them anyway. You know, Nuno's saying exactly the same thing in his post-match press conferences as he always has, but it's really starting to grate on some fans now. When he's saying, we want solutions, we want to improve, it was sort of a running, it's been a running joke in the media, but it's been a running joke amongst fans really that he was going to say it, but they haven't cared. They haven't cared in the slightest because they've been winning. Now they're getting annoyed at that. Why are you saying it again? We must find solutions. You find them, you idiot. You know, it's it's all changed now. So, I mean, Nuno said after after the Brighton game that he was partly to blame for that defeat. And, you know, someone was asking him, was it was it Moutinho's fault, I think, um, as to as to the way they collapsed the second half? He said, it's not Moutinho's fault. He said, it's my fault. It's it's everyone's fault. So I think I think he knows it's, the season hasn't gone quite as well as he wanted it to. But those above him are sympathetic to the circumstances um, behind it. And the point you make about him explaining things is interesting. I asked him after Brighton, I said, uh, uh, no clean sheet in 10. You know, that's so unlike you, um, your team, what's it down to? And he gave a, he gave a couple of things, but then he was like, but, you know, come on, Tim. 
you followed you followed wolves for four years you know you know um so i was like well <laughs> i don't know really that's why i'm asking but he's like he doesn't want to give a huge amount away that's just that's just not his style but equally if the fans are annoyed with him, he's probably the last person they want to hear from. Whatever. An example of what you just said there is a club tweet after the last game with an interview with Ruben Nevis. They're doing it very posh, fancy kind of way, don't they? He's very smart. In which he says, no excuses, totally our responsibility. We need to take it, to think about it. It's about learning and going for the next one. And Ash Purcell, Wolves fan, replied, I'm fed up of learning for the next one. And I think that's probably quite a commonly held view amongst Wolves supporters, a little bit frustrated that they keep talking about learning and improving and not necessarily seeing it. But do Wolves fans need to just take a step back, have a deep breath, realise we're all locked down together, we're probably going to be locked down again properly soon, realise this is just a crazy, not very normal season, not normal situation, maybe just back off a little bit in terms of anger and frustration and, and try to just at least wait till the end of January and see what the club do. Now they have a chance to do something about it. Well, it's hard. It's hard to have patience at the moment, you know, without mm. getting too deep. As, as you say, we're all frustrated. None of us are happy. Um, and yeah, patience is in short supply, and, and that goes for football too. Um, I think. I think there's a bit of self entitlement out there at the moment. To be honest, I think the amount of Premier League clubs that have got a lot of money and have spent a lot of money to try and aim for sixth or seventh place. That's what they're all aiming for, all spending huge amounts of money for and buying expensive players and hiring foreign managers because they all want to finish sixth or seventh. Wolves have done that for two years in a row. doesn't mean they can do it again. So I think there's a little bit of self-entitlement creeping in and um, I hate that kind of look back at where they've come from, but you've got to look back at where they've come from and what they've and they've probably overachieved a little bit last season. I didn't think they'd finish seventh and get to a Europa League quarterfinal. Um, and like I said, they could have had five extra points from the last minutes of the last three games, and they're still only two behind what they were last season. So um, if they keep going three-one up every week and throwing leads away, they'll be alarmed. But they're not. That was a one-off for me. They rarely do that, and um, and I do back him to sort of address the defensive problems they've got first and foremost yeah and there were a couple of very decent performances over Christmas against Spurs away at Man United honestly I thought that was so so good the commitment absolutely the work ethic everything just unfortunate at the end and um, first half against Brighton so it's far far from doom and gloom is it it really really is so so far from doom and gloom and also those five points from a possible 21 that you talked about are all since the Arsenal game when they won last time they scored yeah, three goals. And and also, um, so all those five points from 21 are without having a backup striker, which again comes back to the policy. But again, it's not forever. It's only short term, hopefully, and they'll sign somebody like Origi or at least just somebody who can score goals. But would you expect them, we keep talking about this striker, are you expecting them to sign anybody else? Does the squad not need a little bit more or players, can they be recalled? Gibbs White, for example, in theory. Catroni can be, but they won't. We yeah, um, Gibbs White, I, I don't think they would. I mean, he's just I mean, great for him. He's just come back from injury. I think he had three, four months out and came off the bench for Swansea at the weekend. I'd like to see him in a 10 for Wolves. We've never seen him in a 10 for Wolves. Uh, Vitinha was, was really good at Old Trafford. And then I, I, I forgot he was on the pitch at Brighton. So that's what you're going to get with the youngsters' inconsistency. I'd like to see Gibbs White involved. I don't think they've got any plans to recall him, even if they could. Catroni is one that will get mentioned more as the month goes on. They can recall him. I don't think he'll stay at Fiorentina because he's not playing for them either. I expect him to return to Molyneux this month, but he may simply go out straight out on loan again. I think he's he's one, again, if they, if they really are struggling towards the end of the month, then maybe they'll look at, uh, at Catroni. But I think it would, with all great respect to him, I think it would be a, a sort of a last-ditch resort. And as things stand, would you expect them to sign up Vitinha and um, Aitnori? That's a good question, you know. Or have you um, not seen enough? Probably haven't seen enough of Vitinha yet, but they both they both had good glimpses, to be fair. They both do look like they've got potential. Would you spend £40 million for the pair of them? Uh, I, th- I think with Johnny back and maybe Gibbs White and Jordao, are they really that inferior to Vitinha? So I think at this moment in time, I think money would be better spent elsewhere in the summer. But um, but still five months to go, so so let's see what they can do. And Vinagre's gone elsewhere? Yeah, no surprise. Again, wasn't wasn't um, playing for Olympiacos, so he's gone back to Formalisau in Portugal, where he joins Jordão and also Leo Campana, um, I think they're 13th in Portuguese league at the moment. So um, don't envisage him coming back to Wolves in the long term, but um, hopefully for him he'll get some minutes over there and get his career back on track. 
Another question from Zach. As we continue to experiment with personnel and formations, do you think trying Cody as a central midfielder could work? 4-2-3-1 on paper sounds like a winning combination. Uh, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. I'd love to see him in midfield, but only if you had the, the career centre-halves to, to form a, a strong Yeah, you'd have to be playing four at the back. You'd have to have Bolly and Saez at centre-half at the moment. Certainly had something that Wolves don't really have at the moment in midfield, but I don't see him being taken out of defence. Do you not think Saez could be better off in midfield? Bearing in mind, he's so combative and offers so much that Wolves need, and he can score a goal as well. Um, I'll have him up front, bloody hell. <laughs> he needs to be somewhere though, doesn't he? <laughs> maybe maybe centre-half's not the best place. I mean, I mean, seriously, do you think his bite is, is better used alongside, say, Neves in midfield? Because Neves seems to I'm be better sure. when he has somebody mm. like a Dendonka alongside him. I think you're right. That's what, yeah, you're right. I'd like, and I would like to see Otisawi in there at the moment. I'm not sure Saïs and Neves, is that is that mobile enough? Is it quick enough? They're both they're both not quite um, agile enough for me as a pair in the Premier League, which is probably why we haven't seen it under Nuno. I mean, obviously they were the pair in the Championship. I don't think midfield's the biggest issue for me at the moment. I think, I think I've been looking more at that back line, so I'd probably keep Saïs and Cody in there. Okay, Tim, Palace at home Friday night, 7.45pm on BT Sport Extra 4. My favourite channel. BT Online. So I, <laughs> I think that, so that's not on the normal TV screen as I scrolled through earlier. So I think that's an online stroke, possibly red button option. Um, Everton, by the way, on Tuesday will be on Sky and then West Brom will be on BT and it's BT all the way after that for a few weeks. But Palace home Friday night. What are you thinking team-wise? Lots of changes. Um, Nuno's made changes in the Cups Throughout, throughout the last few years and with Everton at home on Tuesday and then Albion at home the following Saturday it's obviously it's the least priority I think Palace will make a lot of changes I don't think it'd be a great game but I am looking forward to it nonetheless um, to see uh, Hoover I think he'll play Eight Nori gets another game uh, Otisawi hopefully in his preferred position uh, another game for Vitinha hopefully uh, an opportunity for Fabio Silva to score a goal or two Maybe the likes of Theo Kulbianu, who's been on the bench recently, but we haven't seen him. And Taylor Perry, who's been in good good form for the under-23s. John Ruddy, of course, we haven't seen him for a while. So I always like these games, in theory, as an opportunity to see these plays, but they always end up being terrible. Um, but at least there's no replays this year, so it will be finished on the night. I like these games too, to see alternative players, but it didn't quite work out against Stoke, did it? My goodness, it was a oh, really God. strong side. and Wow. Very. Going out like that. Yeah, that was sort of used as an extra pre-season game, I think, at the time, and he, and he fielded a strong lineup. Um, I don't think we'll see the same this time around, with six players out injured at the time of speaking, and two games the following week. I'd, I'd be surprised if he put a strong team out. Yeah, it'd be really good, though, to see some alternative players and some strong performances. Absolutely. It's a real opportunity for them, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, as, as discussed earlier, Hoover and Aitnori were fantastic against Man United, and and um, the wing-backs have, have been a weakness for Wolves this season. You know, they've been a strength for so long, but with Johnny and Doherty gone, you know, Semedo and, Mar- and the perennially injured Marcel uh, aren't living up to the standard set, so it's, it's a chance for them um, to come and stake their claim. Yeah, it'd be really good to see more of Hoover, wouldn't it, after that Man United game. Very exciting prospect. Now, New Year's resolutions, Tim. If you could choose one or some for Wolves players or Nuno or for the club... What would they be? Okay, so uh, a safe and healthy return for Raul Jimenez, which I think is, fingers crossed, going to be one of the moments of 2021 when he returns. Hopefully that is in front of fans, which of course we all wish for as soon as possible back in the stadium. Uh, I'd like a return to the positivity that that we've had for the last three years and everyone kind of singing off the same hymn sheet and, and looking up the table and everybody happy again. And more than that, more than anything, Jackie Oatley, I would like to see Wolverhampton Wanderers claim three points oh, yes. on January the 16th <gasps> against them lot down the road. It's been nine long years since the mm-hmm. game we cannot talk about and it's time. It is time. I've barely got any decent memory. And we are going to preview it <laughs> next week, by the way, because we're going to do a pod on Wednesday after the Everton game the night before. So we can do a proper preview of the Albion game. But I don't have too many great memories, apart from the uh, Ewan Roberts game, which, come on, that was amazing. But uh, we will preview that properly. OK, yeah, I mean, I'd quite like to see a bit more a bit more from the club in terms of communication. I always bang on about it to my poor husband about 
generally in life. I don't think there's enough communication of explaining good intentions, for example. And that's not down to the comm staff who are fantastic. It's more from the club themselves and from the hierarchy. I think it'd be good to hear a little bit more about the direction, about what's happening this season. It doesn't have to be massive reams online or what have you, but I just think a bit more communication from the senior ranks in the club. A few more interviews would be great. Maybe a few more different players doing broadcast interviews to kind of link with the fans who can't see them, can't wish them well on the way in, can't cheer them in the ground. So maybe a bit more from them themselves would be great. And then, if I may, better range of women's clothing in the club shop. Mm-hmm. You always hear this from me. <laughs> oh, I've always said that. I've always you said always that. get this from me. I'm like, why is there hardly <laughs> anything to buy? I spent a fortune before Christmas on this hoodie that's very disappointing. And you look online now, there's one long sleeve top in the entire women's range. I mean, come on, guys. So that would be lovely. Thank you. But yes, more positivity as well. Something some, she says. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Most people, January 1st, they're like, oh, you know, I'd like to lose a bit of weight this year or, or, or hit the gym. You're like, can we have more long sleeve women's tops in the Wolves Club shop? Yeah, there <laughs> are a couple of nice the um, polo shirts that have come out, which is great, but I've already spent my quota in the club shop, I think, for the year. And finally, more frustration for Wolves women. Their training and matches have all been postponed for the foreseeable future. They're top of the table, maximum points from six games, still in the FA Cup. But of course, these times mean that it's not possible. So we wish Dan McNamara and the guys all the best there. Thank you, Tim, very much for now. A reminder that you can sign up to The Athletic for just £3.99 a month for the first six months and enjoy fabulous coverage of Wolves in 2021. Tim will bring you all the behind the scenes Wolves news that you won't find elsewhere. It's extremely well sourced, might I add. And you can also listen to this podcast without the adverts via the app. Go to theathletic.co.uk forward slash Wolves pod. We'll be back next week in reaction to the Everton game and the Palace game, of course, as well. And we'll be looking ahead to the big one, to West Bromwich Albion at Molyneux. I would say they'd be welcomed at Molyneux, but um, perhaps not. And uh, we'll give you a full preview of that match. So we'll be back then. Thank you very much for all your correspondence. Bye for now. (music) 